welcome to The Lucy Hendricks Show. I'm Lucy Hendricks. I co-own Enhancing Life with Dave Wilton. It's an upscale boutique gym in the beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. We're always looking to empower our gym members with life-changing health discussions through workshops, newsletters, community challenges. And since my life is already on the internet, this podcast will be my way I contribute to us educating our members and everybody else in Lexington. If you want to learn about all things health and fitness, this is the podcast for you. With that said, all these podcasts are for educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be considered medical advice. You should always consult your healthcare professional before implementing any changes. And now, let's get the episode started. Here's a question for you. Do you think... We're good at getting an active life back after a bad injury, chronic pain, or surgery. And by active, I mean active. Hiking, biking, canoeing, lifting weights. A life where you're able to maintain your skeletal muscle as you age. Don't answer yet, but I'll give you my answer. My answer is a big no. I don't think we're good at helping people get their active life back after being taken out for whatever reason. I don't think people are aware of what it truly takes to fully rehab themselves. I watch people fail all the time with friends, family, social media, clients. I'll even hear stranger stories that show me how much we suck at this. I was sitting at a bar one night having dinner alone. A woman who looked around my age, 31, shared the following story with her friend. So. It's been six months since surgery, and I haven't done anything. I haven't even gone back to the gym. I've been so careful. And last weekend, I went hiking, the same hike I've always done, and it hurt so bad for like six days. I've done hikes twice that long before. What if the surgery didn't work? And because you haven't listened to the rest of the podcast, you might not pick up on anything here. But all you need to know is that this person did not get the help that she needed. And what she was going through, it's how sad stories begin. When you go to an assisted living or nursing home, you'll see two kinds of people. Some get there right at the end of their long life, which is the most ideal scenario. The further out your body and mind can hold on to, the better. Other people have a sad story. They're there at a much younger age, still with some life ahead of them, but their cognitive health declined too much, or their body's ability to take care of themselves declined, where they've lost all their muscle, all their strength, they can't even open a bag of chips for themselves, and I would bet money that those people, the ones whose body gave up at a younger age, have a sad story that starts similar to the one I heard at the bar that woman will have a predictable outcome if she doesn't get the help that she needs. Because muscle is the key to longevity. And people who are not rehabbed well usually are not active. They don't gain or maintain muscle. Two weeks ago, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon shared a very scary statistic. Women over the age of 65, if they fall, they have a 50% chance of never walking again. 65 is not old, but it does not surprise me. 
We're not good at helping people be active enough that they're able to build and maintain skeletal muscle, but we're even worse at getting people back to an active life after an injury, chronic pain, or surgery, which is a big thing I want to talk about today because a lot of us are likely to experience an injury and or chronic pain or go through surgery. And knowing the right approach is very important. If not, that injury might be the reason you end up in assisted living at the age of 65. And sure, there are outliers. I've heard things like, well, my grandma made it until she was 95, smoked cigarettes every day, never exercised a day in her life, and she was fine. And I'm not denying that can't happen. I just wouldn't want anyone betting their life on hoping they're an outlier. I want people to focus on what's predictable. If you don't drink water, it's predictable that you're going to get dehydrated. If you don't fully rehab yourself to an active life after an injury, it's predictable that you're going to lose your independence at a much faster rate. I work with people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. So I get people in the middle of their story. A common one that I hear when I'm meeting with new clients is, I injured myself, I've seen doctors, I've seen physical therapists, but every time I try to work out again, I re-injure myself. Another common story that I hear is, I injured myself, I've seen doctors, I've seen physical therapists, but I'm too scared to try anything, so I barely move. Both of those scenarios end up with people being scared, inactive, and usually still in pain, which means if they don't change how things are going, they'll have a predictable outcome, which ends in a sad story. And the sad thing is, a lot of people are in these two different scenarios, scared to exercise, not being able to be active, and in pain, and it's not just the people I work with, it's everywhere. In fact, pain brings in more money than cancer, diabetes, and heart disease combined. 635 billion a year. That is so much money, and that is a lot of people suffering, which is probably a contributing factor to the results from a CDC report that showed that 23% of Americans get enough exercise. That means Almost 80% of Americans are not doing what it takes to maintain their skeletal muscle. A lot of people are going to have a really sad story at the end of their life. And not only that, but apparently the financial cost of most of the population being inactive, according to the CDC, is $117 billion a year. This is not looking good for our future. It is so much money with so many people struggling and in pain and also many people not exercising. So now I'll ask again, do you think we're good at getting an active life after a bad injury, chronic pain, or surgery? Hopefully you're now on the same page. Hopefully you have a big no. No, we are not good at this. And if you're a person that shares a similar story, before you get down on yourself and think that I'm judging you for not successfully rehabbing yourself, know that I am not. Here's the thing. It is not your fault. You did not fail. Your body did not fail. And you are not broken. Getting you from point A to point B takes a special kind of approach. 
it takes a diverse set of skill sets to get you from point A, which is being inactive, not confident in your body, recovering from whatever injury or surgery that you're recovering from, to point B, active, confident, being able to push the limits on what you can do, long hikes, kayaking trips, bike rides, and to think that you can get from point A to point B alone is unrealistic. And to think that you can get from point A to point B with just a medical professional is also unrealistic. When you look at athletes, they don't do it alone. And they also don't do it with just their medical provider. And I want you to start seeing yourself as an athlete. In the sports world, it's called return to play, which is a method to get an injured athlete back into the game. Usually, they'll have a medical provider, physical therapist, some type of clinician. If they had surgery, maybe an orthopedic surgeon. They'll also have sometimes a sports psychologist because people's mind and mental health impacts their ability to get back into the playing field. Sometimes a strength coach monitoring their days in the gym. And then they'll also have their skills coach that focuses on what they do in the field or out in the court. And they all work together to get the athlete from point A to point B, from being injured to not being injured and playing the game. Regular people, like you, are getting injured all the time. You'll have things happen that take you away from the game. That game is an active life full of exercise, lifting, hiking, canoeing, raising a bunch of kids, a career that requires physical labor, you name it. You are an athlete. But the problem is, we don't have a return to life rehab approach. Like athletes have a return to play. We don't have many teams working together, helping people after pain or injury. The businesses and teams delivering this kind of service are very, very slim. And because consumers are not educated on this, most people have no idea how to decipher from a good or bad approach. What does good rehab look like? What should we expect? What are the characteristics of a, a good approach? Well, I'm glad you asked because that is exactly what I'm going to answer next. And one thing you don't want to do is overflow the cup. When the cup overflows, usually people flare up. Watching people try to get back to being active and trying a new activity after being in pain is like watching someone try to pour an entire 16-ounce can of Coke into a 12-ounce cup. And this is where I critique my own industry, people in the fitness industry, because they suck at this. They're constantly overflowing people's cup making them think it's that their body that failed, but really the dosage of exercise was just not the right one. Because what ends up happening after an injury and having a long period of being inactive, that cup ends up shrinking. And the amount of exercise people can tolerate is way lower than people think. And most of the time, when someone flares up after trying something new, it's because they did a little bit too much too soon and they overflowed their cup which sadly leaves people scared of trying again and then they don't want to fill up their cup at all. However, remember what I said earlier, the right approach fills your imaginary cup just enough but not too much, which means you have to fill up your cup. 
this is where I critique clinicians and the medical community and physical therapists. Unlike the fitness industry who's trying to fit 16 ounces in people's 12 ounce cup, a lot of clinicians are sitting there with teaspoons and a 12 ounce cup. That is not going to get you from point A to point B. That's not how you prepare for life. I don't know much about basketball, but I do know that they need to jump high. How well prepared do you think an athlete will be to jump super high if they only did knee stretches after knee surgery? Probably not well prepared. The cup needs to be filled. Rehab eventually needs to be challenging and hard and you need to get out of your comfort level. If it isn't, chances are you'll be unprepared to have an awesome active life. So the cup can't overflow, but also it needs to be filled. Number two, the right approach takes multiple factors into consideration when working with you, and they educate you about all these factors. When it comes to pain, it is not just about your muscles, bones, tendons, and ligaments. It's about sleep, gut health, inflammation levels, blood flow, mental health, your immune system, your past experiences, genetics, your beliefs around pain, etc., etc., etc. All these things influence pain. And all these things influence how big your cup is. So let's say you drank all weekend because it was a holiday weekend. And you've been also in and out of the hospital all week because one of your parents is there. So not only are you stressed about that, but you also haven't slept. And you go in for a hard workout and bam, the next day you flared up an old injury. When someone's trying to increase their activity levels and they flare up with an old injury, it is usually not just caused by one thing. It's usually a combination of factors. Someone who takes a multifactorial approach will take everything that I just mentioned into consideration. Yes, that person might be filling up their cup with exercise, but alcohol, stress, and lack of sleep impacts how much your cup can handle. And if we keep blaming one thing without looking at other factors, that rehab approach is incomplete. So a good approach looks at all factors, looks at your entire life. And when things happen, and when you hit roadblocks and get setbacks, they don't just look at your body. They also look at everything else. Number three, the right approach makes you feel hopeful. This is a big one. If you walk out of a clinician's office or a gym thinking that you have all of these things wrong with you and you don't feel hopeful, do not go back. Find someone else. If there's something you currently can't do without feeling pain, that could be squatting, running, canoeing, a good approach will make you feel hopeful that one day you will be able to do those things. Words really matter, and the words clinicians and coaches use will impact your ability to fully be rehabbed. If someone makes you feel like you're fragile, that is one of the biggest red flags. Number four, the right approach does not make you rely on manual therapy to keep you healthy 
and out of pain. There is nothing wrong with manual therapy or manual techniques, and they have their place in someone's rehab journey, especially in the beginning. The problem is people get sucked into the mentality of constantly needing to be fixed, which is great for business, but not great for people wanting to be fully rehabbed. This kind of rehab approach is incomplete, especially if it never leads to you doing anything on your own. Manual techniques alone will not get you from point A to point B. Right now, we work with an amazing massage therapist, Ann Boone, and she's our biggest referral source because she knows massage is not the only thing that people need. Dr. Sarah Martin, who has a private practice inside of our gym, she also does manual techniques all of the time. However, she gets people moving on their own, she promotes strength, and encourages people to join our gym if they want to finish their rehab journey. Her approach goes beyond passive treatments. An active life requires strength, speed, power, endurance, and passive treatments where your body doesn't have to do any other work will not get you where you wanna be. You shouldn't need constant manual therapy and adjustments to stay pain-free. Like I said, they have their place but they shouldn't be used as a tool to keep you locked in on a reoccurring schedule forever and ever. Rehab should end with you feeling independent and confident. It should not end with you feeling like you now rely on someone's hands to keep you pain-free and safe. So if you're looking for a better approach, make sure that they fill your cup, but not too much, that they look at all factors of your life, that they make you feel hopeful, and that they don't make you feel like you need someone's hands to continuously put you back together. So there you have it. That's what I think good rehab should look like. And this is the information that I think consumers should know so they can find people who will actually help them long-term. Remember, it takes a team. It takes a diverse set of skill sets. It eventually requires hard work and being pushed out of your comfort level. If your rehab journey has not resulted in you living an awesome active life, leads me to my shameless plug. Our gym specializes in people in chronic pain and the post-rehab population. It doesn't matter how small your cup may be, if you can only handle one exercise on the ground, that can be our starting point. And the best part is, we're not doing it alone. We now have a team. Dr. Sarah Martin recently moved in and started her practice inside our gym. So if you haven't been checked or cleared to exercise by a clinician, you can start with her and then under her supervision, you can get passed on to us. If your rehab journey has not involved your physical therapist collaborating with a fitness coach, you've never experienced an approach like ours. It's a return to life approach, an approach more people should know about. So if you know someone who would benefit from this, please send them this podcast. A lot of people are out there with zero hope and scared to move and scared to exercise, and I do not want their life to end in a sad story.